Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake up call. Welcome back. It's Melissa here, host of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. And this is uh, my fourth and final series for now on the subject of hormones. And I'm really excited to bring a special guest to you here today. And I want to introduce you to Lisa Wilson. Lisa, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you because I think your story is really important and one that needs to be shared. And so just to introduce Lisa a little bit before she tells her story and introduces herself, in 2014, after the blessing of a layoff allowed her to start her own business, she had a surgery that was by mistake that left her feeling an exhaustion best explained by calling it cellular tired. It's a tired feeling that is right in your core. Your body won't move. Your brain can't focus, making it very difficult to stay in a good mental state. So Lisa, that is a crazy intro to your story. And I would love you to dig into it more. But first I have to ask is surgery by mistake. What does that yes. mean? <laughs> um, it means they took out half my thyroid on a typo, we think. For no typo. Yeah. So these, these things happen. Medical mm -hmm. mistakes can happen. And of course they can, because we're all human, yes. but I'm going to let you maybe take a little bit of a step <laughs> sure. back from there as to how you ended up in hospital in the first place, hammering surgery with an error <laughs> based on a typo. Sure. So I had, I did have lumps in my thyroid. There is no question. Um, but the lump had been reviewed several times. We'd even biopsied it. We knew it wasn't cancerous. It was fine. And just as an aside, um, in case your listeners don't know, most women have thyroid lumps. If you believe in the chakras and you have understanding of that, you'll understand a little bit of what that means. But most women have lumps on our thyroid. They don't do anything. They don't harm us. They don't change anything. They're just there. And they're very, very slow growing. So mine, they thought had grown from 2.4 centimeters to 4.2 centimeters in six months. And they didn't understand why that would happen. And they were very concerned because it shouldn't have grown that fast. I happen to have a very paranoid doctor, which didn't help things. Like even though the specialist was saying, come back in a year, he was like, no, I want you to recheck it in six months. So that didn't help me either. <laughs> so he sent me back in six months. They got a reading of 3.2 and then we got a 4.2 or 3.6, something like that. And 4.2. And that's when they said, okay, we don't know why it's growing this fast. We really suggest you get it taken out. 
And I put my name on the list and I think I was driving home from there and I had a panic attack and I thought, do not have this surgery. And I totally pushed it away. I just went, no, you're being silly. I've had lots of surgeries. This doctor is a wonderful doctor. The doctor who did the surgery, I have nothing bad to say about him and it's not his fault at all. But isn't that interesting that you had that panic attack and that I did. message and yet so many of us would push it away as well, right? Yep. We we kind we don't know when to listen. Yes. And we start to doubt ourselves, right? Yep. And uh, oh, there's more. As I tell this story, you'll see more times that I've done that. You're already giving me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. So the next time was while I did, I I mostly pushed it away. I think I told my mom, and my mom said, "Look, there's a really good guy in Toronto. Let's go see him." So I live in Timmins, Ontario, mm-hmm. and so we went to Toronto. We got in to see this second. We got the second opinion, and when I went for the second opinion, they asked me to bring my ultrasounds because that's how they they do the checking. Like that's how they look for the lumps. I brought them with me and the guy started feeling my neck and he said, look, you've got a lump there. It's fine. Get it taken out. It's not going to hurt you. You'll be fine. And I was like, okay. But I was sitting there thinking I need to give him these pictures. And I never did. He never asked for them. And I never gave him the disc. And, but I had a moment in there where I thought I've got to give these to him. And I, again, did not listen. (laughs) And these moments are so etched in my brain. Like they were just such strong voices. Give him the pictures. Cause if I had of, he would have seen the typo. Right. And, um, but he said, you know, he said, no, go ahead. So I continued to not listen. Two doctors now are telling me this is a good idea. I'm going to listen. My mom's a nurse. So I grew up very much respecting doctors. I have the opposite of white coat syndrome. I have one, once I get to the hospital, I know I'm safe. Like that's, that's my feeling where other people get nervous. I'm like, I'm good. This is where I'm going to be looked after. Yes. Right. Exactly. Because that's what you had been brought up to believe and to experience. And that was your world. Exactly. And I also just want to say, even though you had that, give him the pictures when you're in dialogue and having someone talk to you and explaining mm-hmm. their expertise to you, sometimes things pop into your head that you're like, I have to mention that. But then the conversation takes a segue and it kind of pops back out of your mind too. Right. I know I've experienced yes. that. Yeah. And so it it wasn't like that though. I don't know what it was. I just didn't give it to him. I I just, for whatever reason, I didn't give it to him. And so I ended up having the surgery. And while other people will tell you, if you have half your thyroid removed, it's not that big of a deal. They, they come back to sort of full energy. One woman told me it took her about a year and she was back to full energy. I did not. I did not come back to full energy at all. As a matter of fact, I could only work um, while I was setting up my business. I had agreed to work for a friend for three days a week. It was a town about an hour from here. So I would drive three days a week. I would drive to Cochrane and I would work for him. And then I would come home with the intent of working on my business those other two days of the week. And I had nothing left, like zero. Right. And this is the piece where you you mentioned in the in the beginning was it's, it's so hard to explain to people because someone would say, well, if you're tired, take a nap. I'm like, oh, you have no idea how many times I've told people that in my life. It's not like that. You can have a hundred naps and it won't change a thing. Your legs are tired. They don't want to lift you up. You, you can't watch anything more thought provoking than a Disney movie. (laughs) I, my, my Netflix asked if I was watching or if children were watching, like that's how bad it got. Netflix even asked, are you a child? So because I I really couldn't, if it was a a thought provoking movie, no, nothing. And I literally would lie on the couch and think, 
it's okay. You're just tired. Your life is good. It's okay. You're just tired. Your life is good. And I repeated this over and over and over in my head. And I still like, then it was hard to figure out because there was nothing wrong with me. One doctor tried to put me on Synthroid, which is synthetic thyroid. Um, It made me crazy within a month. He told me it was the lowest dose. It wasn't, it was the lowest recommended dose. There was one lower dose. So I went off that. And can you just elaborate there? What do you mean by it made me crazy? (laughs) So I thought about it. I thought I need to explain this. So I have a little dog. He's about Mm -hmm. 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I was walking him one day and all of a sudden I felt like running, like sprinting up the street. I wanted to sprint and I just, and then my heart was racing. And so I started sprinting. Well, I haven't run in a year. Why would I suddenly want to sprint? So I had this and I was like, that's not good. And good thing I had the wherewithal to think, if you do this, you're going to hurt your legs because I hadn't done this in a year. Right. So I, I stopped and I was like, where's that coming from? And then a friend of mine said something and this person is, is known to me to be a bit of a, She's the type of person that says things to light a fire under people. You know, she'll say things that are somewhat controversial at times. And I know this about her and I'm okay with that. And I can usually calmly say to her, well, I disagree and here's why. But she came over and I lost it on her. I've never done that in our whole relationship. And, you know, years of a relationship, I just was like, are you nuts? And told her off. And I thought, whoa, where is that coming from? I know who she is. I know she says these explosive things not on purpose. It's just her manner. And all of a sudden that's who I was. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's not okay. I don't know who that person is. I don't want to be that person. And so I came off the Synthroid. We tried again with the, the actual lower dose. (laughs) Um, I think I was on 0.5 and then I tried on 0.25 and that just took two months to get back to crazy. Effectively, like just feeling like I had no ability to control my emotions. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And I've, um, I've talked to other people who have thyroid struggles and are struggling in mainstream medical and are wanting to get off drugs. And I hear that over and over again, Mm -hmm. um, that inability to control almost anger anger slash outbursts. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And what they feel like they're putting their family through that their family has to tolerate this new behavior that they don't have any control over. And then they feel like when they get out of that mood, they're endlessly apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the wherewithal to see it fairly quickly. And I wasn't the only one who had my thyroid removed around that time. So a girl I had worked with her husband at the the job where I was laid off, um, her husband had his removed and a friend of hers had had hers removed not long before. And the friend did exactly that. She said she would have those moments and my friend now knew, okay, she'll call me later and apologize. And that's exactly what it was. And she said her husband was doing the same thing. So when I saw it, I thought, okay, then I don't need this high of a dose. And I'm on the lowest dose. My next thing was to start cutting these tiny little pills in half. Right. And I thought, okay, well, if it took me a month to feel crazy on the 0.5 and it took me two months to feel crazy on 0.25, if I cut the 0.25 in half, it's just going to take four months to feel crazy. Right. (laughs) I mean, that makes logical sense, right? (laughs) <laughs> but there's, it did seem to do something for me because it was almost like it reminded my body to kick some thyroid. And, right. and now the, the doctor's numbers will not show you that. That's not the case. I am very much like my numbers were always fine, according to them. There was right. never anything wrong. It yeah. was just this one doctor agreed. He said, well, let's try it and see what happens. Right. So I said, okay, well then 
And and just out of interest, when you say my numbers were always fine with them, even after having your thyroid removed, were they still only looking at your TSH or were they looking at all four markers, your free T3, your free T4 and your TPO antibodies? Do you know? Because I know. I know they did once they looked at the free T3 and T4 because I asked for it. Right. So the rest of the time they were looking at TSH and saying you were fine, which is the norm in mainstream medical but it doesn't give us the underlying issues that could be going on. And obviously in your case were when we know what our free T3 and free T4 are doing. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's what, when I do my work with people and I lab test, the hormone lab test includes all four of those every time because we need to see the whole picture, not just a piece of it. Yes. And um, they are actually still fine now. Um, And the free T3 and free T4 are okay now too, because I'm working with a naturopath now and she had me like go and say, can you ask for these? I was like, sure, no problem. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Taking the Synthroid though did sort of, it was almost like it told, reminded my body, like I said, because I was able to do things then that I hadn't been able to do for the first couple of years. So for, for the first year or so, like I wasn't even, I wasn't able to curl anymore. Um, and so what I would do is I would say, I'll come, but I can only skip because if I sweep, I'm done. Like any form of exercise just burns my adrenals and it's over. So I could non-Canadians in the audience. Yeah. Oh just, yes. <laughs> they might know, not know curling, right? Yes. Say, I wasn't able to curl anymore. They're like, what, yeah. curl your hair? Yeah. No, curling <laughs> the, oh, sport. the sport. Curling. That's awesome yeah. that you are a curler. Yes. Well, and I have been my whole life. I mean, it's something I've been doing since I was like uh, probably eight years old. So not being able to do it suddenly is like, what? <laughs> so what I did, so for the non-curlers, there is, if you've ever seen the sport, there's that one person that stands in the circles and doesn't really do much exercise through the whole event. That's what I did. <laughs> because if you had, if I had to be the one that swept, I would, I would make it through the game. Now that I can do, I can make it through any form of exercise. It's the pay I will have later. That's the yes. issue. And it's still to this case. Now I, I started um, skiing this year. I started to attempt um, skate skiing. Right. It's a lot more energy to do that. So I never got more than I think I did 1.2 or something kilometers. That's all I would ever do. But we knew that I know I'm going to go do that in the morning. And then I have to watch movies for the afternoon. Right. There's no... I know that that's the case and possibly the next day. Right. It's very frustrating. (laughs) I can well imagine that. And I work with um, people also who have had concussions. Oh, interesting. And in their healing from concussion, it's similar in that they really have to manage their energy level Mm -hmm. in order to be able to allow their body enough energy left to heal. So I liken it to when the brain is healing and after concussion, the brain needs more energy to heal. And Mm -hmm. so it's taking away from the energy that you have to expend in your body, doing everything else, cognitive function, exercise, et cetera. And if you overdo it in that area, then the brain doesn't have as much energy left to heal. And it's very often where symptoms will, the body will start yelling at you because it's asking you to slow down, down, right? (laughs) Stop using up all the energy reserves. So it it sounds similar, but uh, yeah, yeah, keep going with your, with your stories as you. So um, so after I had it out, I then changed doctors because Mm -hmm. the doctor wasn't helping me very much. And I got this call from this 
a woman doctor who is a doctor in two countries. And I thought, okay, maybe she has a little bit more knowledge. Uh, no, <laughs> I should have stayed with the other doctor because he at least did what I told him. Right. I could ask the naturopath, the naturopath would say, go get these tests. And he would do them because he does whatever I say. Because <laughs> he right. said, I learned a long time ago that if you don't do it, you just create mental health problems. So I went to this new doctor and the first thing she said to me is, are you depressed? I wasn't impressed with that statement because it is the first thing that they ask women. It is a terrible thing that, that hospitals and doctors do. The first thing they ask women is, are you depressed? And I was like, okay. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I am a coach. It's what I do for a living. So I thought, don't get upset. This is, she's responding to your, what you're telling her and you're tired. So she said, is there any possibility of depressed? And I said, no, not, I doubt it. I said, but let's talk about it. What would we do? Because I won't take medication. I said, what would we do prior to medication? And she said, well, cognitive behavioral therapy. I said, that would be me sitting on the couch saying, it's okay. You're just tired. Your life is good. She goes, oh, Yes. I said, okay, so just so you know, I'm a life coach. I teach that. <laughs> she went, oh, <laughs> and, but she still from there was never helpful. Um, right. Just did not get any tests. Even now to this day, I called her and asked her to do a test this year. And she said, no. And I went, pardon? <laughs> she said, no, I did that test. And it was, I wanted her to test, I think, I can't remember if it was estrogen or progesterone. And I wanted her to test partway through my cycle. She wouldn't do it. And absolutely just no. And also said to me, no, she didn't even want to do the rest of the testing. And I said, why not? And she said, well, because at your age, you only need testing every two years. I said, excuse me, last year, you wanted to put me on cholesterol medication. And you're telling me you don't want to redo the cholesterol test this year? It's been 18 months. And she went, oh, <laughs> it's like, Oh, good Lord. So it's just been, it's been very frustrating, but it is. And unfortunately, sometimes that comes down to dollars and cents, right? That yes. the cost of running the labs, they won't do them any more frequently than and they're, they're allowed. allowed. Right. And she again, did agree to do some of it this time, I think, cause she looked and saw that my numbers were high. So a couple of things she saw first was I was diabetic. That's we thought I was diabetic. So I was just under the numbers. But when I went to the diabetes clinic, they said, your numbers aren't bad enough. You shouldn't be here. And then we went through what I ate. She was like, yeah, you shouldn't be here. Um, we're not sure why you're here. And I would test my blood sugar. My blood sugar was fine all the time, but my A1AC is, yep, is raised. 90 day marker. Right. Yeah. It's always, it's quite like, it's just underneath where it needs to be. And then the next thing was my cholesterol went up. And when she asked me to go on the cholesterol pills, I kind of had a moment of, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with this doctor. And she said, I said, okay, enough. And she said, what? And I said, you are trying to drug me for symptoms. I have always had a propensity for high blood sugar. That is my reality and has been my reality since I was young. In my twenties, I had high cholesterol. I know that it's a possibility. It runs in my family. I have always fought it with exercise and diet. I can no longer exercise. So I need you to help with that. There's something causing this. I don't, I'm not taking any medication for any more of the, any more of the symptoms. And she said, she was like, okay. <laughs> um, and then the way I convinced her to actually start doing something was I went in and I said, okay, my grandmother had dementia and she lived here with me or not here, but here in the city with me where my parents are an hour away. 
she fell and she broke her pelvis. And I got a call from my parents. She had fallen once before and she was in the hospital roaming all night. And I was like, good Lord, don't do that again. I'm right here. Call me. I run my own business. I can move a client if I need to. So I went to the hospital. My dad came probably two hours. He got there about two hours after me. My dad is at the, at the time was 74. He got to the hospital with me. We both stayed until midnight. We, that's when they decided to keep her overnight. We came home to my house. I made a bed for him. We went to bed. He was up at 7.30 and back at the hospital and managed the whole day. I got up at 7.30, made him breakfast and had to go back to bed. And so this was the story that convinced my doctor. Oh, I said, I'm tired. I have been telling you for two years, I'm tired and I can't handle life. There is no reason my 74 year old father can handle seven hours of sleep and get up and, and take, or I guess six hours of sleep and get up and take the day. And I can't. So then she started sending me for some tests. Um, but I sort of took a step back and I started doing other things because things got really low for me. Um, so I'll step back in the story. We sort of, we sort of skip forward, but things got really low for me. Initially I was living alone. So it wasn't a big deal. Those two days that I had to spend on the couch, my business wasn't so busy at the time that I couldn't. Right. right. I, and so I just managed, I learned to manage my energy at that time by right. resting when I needed to, and then doing what I needed to, and then resting after. Right. But then my boyfriend and his two kids moved in <laughs> and they were teenagers. Well, uh, yeah, but 11 and 12, I think when they got here, 12 and 13. So young, right, right. just getting into teenage years. And suddenly I didn't have time to rest. Right. I couldn't spend a day on the couch. It wasn't a possibility. He works 12 hour shifts. So half of the month, I'm, it's just me and the kids. Right. They still went to school and stuff, but it was just, I had to manage meals and things like that and any emotions mm. and stuff that came home. So suddenly I didn't have the time and I got to a really low space. And I was, now I was depressed right. with no energy, trying to keep up with the kids. And that there was some stress added with that. Um, just their mom left them. Like they had been going back and forth between their dads and their moms when we first met. And she, six months into me dating my boy, my now boyfriend, um, she up and moved away 12 hours from the kids. So there's some mental health stuff going on there Absolutely, for them as well. Yeah. So there's lots of emotions to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then moving here was hard on them and all of that good stuff. So there was lots to deal with. Never mind just learning to live with someone new, but doing right. it while you're this tired and trying to run a business was, yeah, was unbelievable. Really yeah. yeah, really, really tough. And I got to a point, um, I just, I got to a point, there was a couple of days I, I said to my boyfriend, like, when I tell this story, normally when the doctor had to tell me about the thyroid, um, if anyone's watching it, I'll describe it for those that are only hearing the audio, but the doctor sat with his elbows on his knees and his fingers stretched across his forehead, holding his head when he had to tell me that what they took out was 2.4 centimeters. I was very nervous when he was sitting like that. I thought, what are you doing? Why are you sitting like that? You already told me this wasn't cancerous. He told me directly after the surgery, this was not cancerous. Um, but he just looked distraught when he had to tell me what he had to tell me. And then that's why I say he's a really good doctor and he is, he, I still have a lump on the other side and he will not let anybody else look at it. He is going to follow me because he said, this can't, we can't make another mistake with you. He said, anytime, if there's a problem again, we're going to like take three ultrasounds and get it reviewed a bunch of times. He doesn't want it to happen again. And now I got to the point where Serge and I were having an argument and I joke about this because Serge and I don't have arguments. I rant 
and right. he listens because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't argue back. It's not in his nature. And then now that's what I looked like. I remember being on the deck one day and I just put my head in my hand, same thing, my head, holding my head up with my knees on my arm, my elbows on my knees and my hands across my face. And I said, I don't even like myself right now. Like, I don't even like who I am. And then it happened again one more time. He and I were arguing, same thing. I'm like, I, I can't go on like this. I don't even like who I am right now. It's too stressful here. And I remember lying in my bed one morning and thinking, I just want to die. Like, this is too hard. And that was the moment for me. That was enough. Like that, right. just that thought. Um, I've yeah. told this story on a stage one time with a group of people. And there was a woman there who actually had gone to the point of like planning her death and things. And so it was very interesting for me to tell that story right after her, because <laughs> I right. said, look, everybody has their low point, right? Like she yeah. was totally planned. She had, she was giving, making videos to send off and all that good stuff. And for me, it was just the thought and that was enough. And I thought, okay, I got to fix this. And so yeah. I did because the biggest problem for me was how I've handled stress my whole life. Like I was a human resources manager. There was a lot of stress in that role. And for the last 15 years, how I handled stress was extreme exercise. I mountain bike, I snowboard, I cross-country ski, I, um, you know, I do all of this stuff. I do P90X and CrossFit and like extreme exercising, right? Like the last job I had, I hated it. So what I did was I did all this other exercise to keep me in some form of level place. And get all that aggression out. So you weren't yeah. taking out on the people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now I couldn't. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what started happening. And I mean, I had really bad moments with my stepkids and like, I really didn't like who I was. I couldn't give them the, um, the patience that they needed. Right. And, and it wasn't and, their fault. And it also no. wasn't your fault. You were trying to get answers and trying to heal. Yes. But yeah. you were being let down by a system at this point and yes. extremely let down by the fact that you think you, you know, it was 2.4, they thought it was 4.2. And so it sounds like that is a typo, right? Somebody yeah. was yeah. dyslexic in writing that report. Yeah. Yeah. So very, very frustrating time in my life. I don't, I don't love telling the story again. I really don't, but I'm, I've, I've heard a statement before is speak from the speak from the scar, not the wound. And so I can speak about it now because I have come so far, but I'm not back to who I was before. Still not where I was. Right. Um, and the fact so that, that you have come so far is wonderful. And yeah. I thank you for sharing this story because there are people out there that might be struggling and need to hear your story Yeah, because <laughs> they will understand that you found some solutions and what worked for you may work for them that they weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. So yeah, keep going with. So the next thing that happened actually, so after having this, I told, I was, I happened to be in a mastermind at the time with a, a group of women. That's the group that I ended up speaking on stage with. <clears throat> and I was with this group. They were an incredibly supportive group. So I called and I said, look, here's the reality. I'm now depressed. And I talked to my mom and I talked to some other people and just saying those words, I was like, okay, I know me and I've had acute depression before. Of course we all have. This was something deeper than I'd ever had before. And the frustration was very high. So I started doing all the things that I know to do. I couldn't exercise. Well, I can exercise. I can walk my dog for 20 minutes about, and then I do 10 minutes of something else like yoga, or I still do the same company as, P as P90X, it's, but it's 10 minute trainer. So I do that. And I don't, if I can't do it that day, I can't do it that day. 
So I started doing that just to bring myself back out of where I needed to be or back, back to where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually, I heard this before, but I didn't do it. I, where I went, I went to an intuitive healer. Right. And again, <laughs> another time in my story, she said, oh, you should follow the keto diet. She said, you'll do really well on that. And I was like, okay. And she said, you already know this. You've been getting signs of this for some time. (laughs) So I don't actually follow the keto diet. Um, not the way it's written. I don't, I still don't eat dairy and I don't, um, like no white bread or things like that. And I do eat some potatoes every now and then, but um, for the, it's close, but I'm also dairy free and I don't eat eggs <laughs> anymore. Right. So it's just these little things that have come through time. Um, so she said, but Lisa, you knew this. And she did, she did a couple other things for me and we talked through it, but that was the main thing that came out. Um, she told me I was also at the time, likely full of candida. Mm-hmm. She suggested a cleanse called the wild rose herbal mm-hmm. detox. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, the first time, because I was full of candida, uh, really painful. And so this is what I say to people once the moment you kind of accept where you are. So what it took for me to get there, to get to calling in a, a, an intuitive was to say, okay, this is where I am. I'm just tired. I can't do P90X anymore. I can't do it. Let it go. Stop trying. Cause that's what I had been doing is I would do 10 minutes, then 20 minutes, then 30 minutes of exercise. And then I would fail at 20 minutes. I would fail again. Right. So just 10 walk the dog, 10 minutes of exercise. I stopped trying to do anymore. Right. And that was the moment where I accepted this, then saw the healer. And then I did this wild rose cleanse. Amazing. And by the way, the company is really amazing. I'm not, they're not paying me to say this. I, because I was full of candida on the third day, I felt horrible. My stomach was in spasms. It was really painful. Um, and then I cheated on the cleanse because the only thing I could think to drink was, I, I, I'm again, a nurse's daughter. So the only thing I could think to drink was uh, ginger ale. So I came down and had a ginger ale. We're not supposed to have sugar. So right. <laughs> ginger ale isn't ideal, but and I called them and they called me back within a couple hours and said, any possibility you're full of candida? And I said, actually, yes, there's a possibility. And so she said, okay. And we worked on how to continue it from there. I stopped the pills that day, obviously. And I think the next day, and then I went back onto it and I finished out the cleanse. Um, By the way, cleanses are amazing for anyone out there. They are amazing. At the end of that cleanse, I did go away to curl (laughs) the sport and I was doing it competitively. I was doing a competitive curling weekend and I have my whole life, I have a knee problem and it's the knee you slide on. And I will go away for these tournaments. And at the end of the tournament, my leg is in so much pain. I sometimes have trouble walking out of the curling club because I did this cleanse. I was able to play with no, not no pain. It was still achy at the end, but it wasn't like the previous year. The previous year, I literally thought, oh my God, I'm not walking out of the curling club. I have no idea how I'm going to move my leg to get me out of here. And this time, none of that. And it has nothing to do with exercise. Because the cleanse had lowered the inflammation in your body. The candida increases it and then getting rid of it had lowered the inflammation. So yes, I'm a big proponent of cleanses. I run detoxes for people to support the liver and also run um, programs to get rid of candida and bacterial overgrowth in the gut, which is so common and negatively impacts our health and limits our ability to heal. So that's awesome that you were directed to do that and then saw such profound results. Yeah. 
Amazing. I, I couldn't believe the, the results. I mean, I'm not exactly the poster child for them because, because it was so painful the first three days, but they were really good about uh, like responding to my call. Oh, good Lord. And she said, okay, I'm worried that you're going to dehydrate. I said, no, I had, I drank, I drank some uh, pop and she went, oh, okay, that's fine. She's like, that's fine. Have some sugar. You're fine. Um, and you know what? Everybody responds differently. I find that yes. with my own clients. And yeah. so you may not be a poster child, but it's not that yeah. you were the first person to call them with, you yes. know, something going on. Right. And exactly. great that you could, and that you did. And then they have a suggestion. I, so I followed their candida diet for a long time. That was difficult though, because it was uh, the one from wild rose is highly, highly restrictive. So it was very difficult to follow, but I think I followed it for a couple of months, at least. I think they want you to do like six to nine. I didn't get there because <laughs> Christmas came or something. Um, so I didn't quite get there, but I feel, felt like a ton better. And still like when I'm telling the story now, and I think back to how I felt back then, I think, man, I've come a long way. I've really come a long way and it's That's good awesome. to have that reminder sometimes, but it I'm is. not where I used to be. It's Still. really important to have that reminder. And sometimes I have people journal how they're feeling at the beginning, because as you move forward, you don't remember how you felt before, right? Yes. Yeah. You don't notice a steady demise in how good we feel, but we also don't know that notice the steady improvement, right? And yeah. so journaling really gives you something to look back on. <laughs> um, and it's not, doesn't even have to be like full sentence journaling, but just um, making note of how you feel in any given day so that you can look back and notice how far you've come and celebrate that. Yes. Because yeah. when you start to notice the improvement, then you know, you're on the right path and that's really encouraging, right? Especially from a mental health perspective, yes. really encouraging. And you can celebrate not the end journey, but celebrate each step along the way that keeps yes. you moving forward towards the end journey. Even when you have rough days, Yes. Or when you, when Easter comes along, you need a whole pile of chocolates again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it's just a forgiveness and, um, now like, it's a choice. That's yeah. what I like to say, right. Yeah. Is you know how when you eat certain foods, it's going to make you feel, but it's mm -hmm. a choice because, Hey, it's Easter and everyone's celebrating. Everyone else gets to have it. You know, it tastes good. And okay. Yeah. You eat a little bit now. You might not feel so great, but you'll know why. And that's okay. And yes then you keep moving forward in your healing journey, right? Yeah. Or it's like, well, no, I have a really big presentation tomorrow and I need energy and I need focus and concentration. So I'm not going to eat that today, knowing how it could make me feel tomorrow if I did, right? When the other thing I've started to do is enjoy it. Yes. Um, so one of the things I was craving an Easter cream egg, because of course they were out and I was like, oh, I really want one. It was before Easter. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go have it. And, and I did, but instead of like gobbling it down, I stopped, I took a bite of it. I licked out some of the cream and like, I ate it slowly and enjoyed the whole process so because I thought, yeah, this was that. Yes. Cause I thought I'm not denying myself. Cause what did happen to me? So having done uh, the wild rose cleanse, I did some other cleanses. I started to get to the point where I didn't know what I was allowed to eat anymore. <laughs> I didn't, I had no idea what was, I was supposed to eat what I wasn't supposed to eat. What it, like, it was just so confusing. Cause this cleanse said this, and then this diet I was on said yes. this and the, and the keto says this, but keto is high, high dairy. Um, and I, I know dairy is the one thing that I notice right away. So if I have a bunch of dairy, I will get, um, I still eat some, like I'll still eat goat's cheese and stuff, but I'll get very phlegmy immediately. Right. So it's not, 
every, nothing else gives me, do I have a, an immediate reaction to that's right. the only thing that like would right very shortly after I'll feel that flemminess, which and isn't enjoyable. Goat's cheese closet or no, that's why you can still eat it. And so yeah. the, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the enzymes in goat's cheese are much mm-hmm. closer to human enzymes than the enzymes from, di- from cows. Right. Yes. So that's why people that struggle with um, dairy products that are from cows can often do sheep or goat. Yeah. Alternative. So, and so I, I, well, I, what I say to people now is I don't have a huge reaction to dairy. So I will every now and then have ice cream. There's my little dog coming back in. Um, I will every now and then have ice cream, but I do notice it. I do know I'm going to feel that pain, whatever right. I've learned to make other ice creams, alternative ice creams, but, um, it, uh, the di- in doing that, I, um, I, I realize now okay, I can't, can't do that, which means I can't eat a lot of the quote unquote keto products, right? Because they'll have, you know, non, uh, pizza crust is one of the ones, but their pizza crust is always full of cheese. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh no, can't do that. So I, I, I've learned to start looking up. I look up vegan recipes now when I'm making things. I look up vegan, even though I'm not vegan, I, I do eat meat. Um, and I do. Can you hear the talk? I cannot. (laughs) Okay, good. He's playing with his toy and making funny noises. So I, I do still eat meat. Um, Mm -hmm. I did go off meat for a little while at one point and it's not good for me. It doesn't serve me well. Um, I've, I've read about blood types and I'm O blood type. So apparently O blood type needs meat, uh, but it was just something I discovered whenever I pull back from eating meat and especially red meat. If I'm not eating any red meat, I don't have the energy yeah. I used to have. And that was prior to my surgery. Well, and so I love all that you're doing around food here and trying to figure out to eat the best way to serve your body. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's what I teach. It's not about following one particular diet as dogma, you know, yeah. that keto diet um, in the longer term, isn't great for women in general, in the short term, it can help with weight loss and people can do well on it, but it can mess with our hormones, our progesterone and estrogen levels, if we're Mm. on it for too long, but not only that understanding that your body needs meat again, our bodies are all different. And some of us need animal protein. Some of us don't. Uh, I offer a four day energy experiment where people are having meals that are just plant protein, having meals that are just animal protein and tracking how they're feeling to discover which kind of protein gives me the most energy, which is what you're figuring out how to do on your own here. So I'd love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually that one was a weird one. It was years ago. And I, when I was living on my own initially, I I ate a lot of white meat. So just um, chicken and um, pork. I ate a lot of chicken and pork. So I ate a lot of white meat and it wasn't, you know, just at the time they were saying it's a better meat and everything else. And I don't, I don't cook a good steak. So I never bothered and I never really knew how to make a roast. And I started dating someone and I had been working out and then I would go over to his place for lunch and he would have a steak or he would have pasta, which was another thing I really didn't eat a lot of anymore. And at the time now pasta is not so good for me, but at the time when I started eating more pasta and more steak with him, I suddenly had all this energy and I could work out like crazy. So I was like, Oh, I need these things. (laughs) But I think it was mostly the red meat that made all the difference because the pasta, it's still not great for me, but yeah. Right. At the time, probably I was doing like pretty big workouts at the time again. So, so, um, 
But yeah, then now it's still the figuring out. And I did one of those blood tests quite a few years ago. And one of the things on there that I'd forgotten about, because again, it all got muddled over the last five years, there was a few things that were kind of, I had low reaction to. So it's the blood test that will tell you what foods your body is reacting to. And so most things on there were low to um, medium. I think there's, I think there's extremely low and then there's low or something like that. Yeah. So it's one and two. And moderate and then high. Yeah. Yeah. Most things were under the two. Right. Um, but eggs were high. Yes. I love eggs. I love eggs. And I was, and so then someone said to me, well, those aren't the best because they're kind of a point in time. And so you don't necessarily like, they're not exact. So you don't have to follow it too much. Then I ignored it because I thought, okay, well now there's arguments about this too. So I started eating eggs again. And then just recently I spoke to someone cause we're trying to work on my hormones. And she said, look, no, I agree. They're not the, they're not perfect. Anything in your low ranges, you can still eat. Just don't eat them every day. And then eggs, though, she said, eggs are really high for you. Let's just cut them out for now and see if we can't get your hormones to a better place um, because it's such a high thing. And a second uh, naturopath that I'd spoken to said the same thing. She said, that's not going to go away. It's causing inflammation in your body. Exactly. But again, I was just going to say, no every time yeah. you eat it, it causes inflammation. Yes. Yeah. No immediate reaction for me, right? I okay. eat these things. I eat eggs. I do not feel bad. I don't feel bad right. the next day. I don't like, there's no issue, like, Oh, interesting. No feeling of issue for me with eggs, but they're probably causing the inflammation. Right. Yeah. Especially if it's showing up on the, on that lab, because I'm familiar with that lab. Mm -hmm. And typically that's a lab that tests for reactions that are um, 48 to 72 hours later. So people are often surprised by the results and they think, well, it's food that I've eaten my whole life. How can it be a problem now? But our body yeah, reaches a tipping point, right? Yeah. And our body's coping with so many different things and your body's still coping with healing and energy and getting over this surgery and losing half your thyroid that as we add to it, it might be fighting viruses. It might be fighting injury, et cetera, et cetera. It just comes to a point where it's like, I can't do all of this. So something has to give. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's eggs. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is eggs. Yeah. Right. That's just kind of the analogy that previous yeah. to all of this, it, your score on eggs might have been a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, but now it's just got to a point where your body's coping with too much and it just can't do it. Yeah. And uh, so it's been it's been a long, long road. It's been and I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. I'm working with someone more now on hormones. We did a spit test recently yep. um, to show that um, what actually a previous naturopath had told me, she said, you're in burnout. She said, you're in adrenal burnout, um, just where you are. When we did the test even recently, I'm still the poster child for adrenal burnout. So I actually right. do have enough cortisol in the morning, but I drop very quickly. I drop right. by about noon. Right. Um, it's getting a bit better. I'm taking them on some other, other pills and stuff now that are helping, but I'm some natural very... supplements. I'm presuming. Cause I know when yes. I work with people in that state, that there's some really great herbs and natural supplements we can give to support the body. Yes. Through that in recovery. But I'm really sensitive. So right. uh, some of them didn't work out so well. I've had to slowly put them back in. Right. Um, one of the things was she gave me an adrenal support, which I'd been reading about for a long time, things like ashwagandha and, and things like that. I've been reading about that stuff, but hadn't actually gone to taking one. So she gave me an adrenal support, but the first time I took it, I took it on a weekend and I had a terrible headache. Right. 
which, um, and so it, it's taken a while. I just, for the first time today took two, cause that's right. the, that's the dose I'm supposed to take, right. but I had just, what I've learned is that it. I have to work up to things. Yes. Cause we initially put me on a whole bunch of things and it was all stuff that was supposed to help, but we, there was too many all at once yes. and it caused me problems as far as digesting. So and also just, very, very common in a body that's in a state of adrenal burnout. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, I, 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 without talking to her, I just stopped them all, <laughs> stopped them all for four yeah. days. I'm like, okay, no, I'm not doing yeah. this. And then I put in one at a time. Yes. And to see which one was actually yes. causing the problem, yes. we figured out, well, she was, well, as soon as I told her, she said, well, I know which one's causing the problem. She said, so just cut back on this one. It was fine. Right. But there's an adrenal support. There's, uh, there's four or five different things that I take now. So, and one of them is a, I do take a probiotic. Mm-hmm. Um, with a whole bunch of vitamin B in it. Right. Yeah. Because so. vitamin B helps the body cope with stress as well. Yeah. That's and awesome. vitamin and a lot of vitamin D. That was one of the other deficiencies. Um, where I live in Northern Ontario, we don't get a lot of sun. So through the winter, most of us, well, everybody who lives here, we're vitamin D deficient. It's just. Did you know that everybody in Canada is vitamin D deficient? And in fact, in fact, the, the line goes somewhere across the U.S., So, yeah. So, you know, even people in Washington and Oregon state and, you know, East coast, New York, Boston, all that area, they're also uh, vitamin D deficient. We just don't get enough sunlight for enough hours of the day for enough days of the year to truly get the amount that we need. And for the days that we do get it, we'd all have to run around in bikinis in order to have enough of our skin (laughs) exposed to make up for it. And we're not doing that either. <laughs> no, because no, it's just 30 here. <laughs> <laughs> Celsius, minus 30 Celsius. I should, yes. I yes. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, I have, a, I have an issue with that. And I'm starting to have all these frustrations because for me, the only reason you should be vitamin D deficient at this point is if you're living in poverty. Um, because we have supplements, yes, <laughs> they're there. But even then, I my initially one of the things we tested was we got my vitamin D tested because when I had this low energy, so vitamin D, vitamin B, we checked all these vitamins. The doctor said you're low, but everybody's low up here. No biggie on the vitamin D, and he said just take what do you say a thousand milligrams a day? He said just take that. <laughs> Went to the naturopath, and she goes that's going to take you 25 years to catch up. So, I agree so with your naturopath. Yeah. yeah. She gave me a, a drop and I, I don't know. I now don't know the numbers, but I was taking four to five drops a day and I still take so that. And 4,000 to 5,000 because each drop usually yeah. has 1,000 in it. And that's truly what people need in order to lift their levels. Yeah. And so now actually I am at normal levels. That was the one thing the other day that I, I did get the doctor to do, but you have to pay for vitamin D yes. in Ontario. So I paid for it. Yeah. I was like, she said the vitamin D, I said, look, I know I have to pay for it. I don't care. I want it done because I want to know where I am now, if I can slow down on it or not. I still take four a day. And sometimes if I'm looking for a sweet, I just take one of the kids gummies because since COVID hit, I make the kids take them, but give them gummies. So every now and then I'll have one of their vitamin D gummies just for a treat. (laughs) That's my daily treat. But it is one of the pieces that I actually did bring up. So I was pretty happy. about. That's awesome. And just for your reference, because I did this myself as a test recently. So in September, 2019, I got my vitamin D tested and because I'd been supplementing and I'd been supplementing, supplementing at 4,000 IU a day for at least six months. 
my levels were in optimal range. And my doctor was shocked. She's like, nobody's ever optimal. Why are you optimal? And I said, because I supplement. She's like, oh, okay. Then when COVID hit, I was getting outside for walks more and it was sunny, beautiful weather. I was thinking maybe at this time of year now, I don't need 4,000. Maybe I'll drop it to 2,000. So I did. And I retested in August. So this is now, you know, five months, four and a half months of just Mm -hmm. dropping it. And my levels dropped below normal, not by a lot, sorry, below optimal, not by a lot, but they had dropped. And so then I just went, okay, I'm just going to do 4,000 a day, every day for, you know, I do the drops. I find them super easy every morning. Mm -hmm. Um, Morning is the best time for vitamin D because it does boost energy as, as you experienced, Mm -hmm. gives you energy for your day and no harm in me doing four drops every morning to start my day. Yeah. I have the pills right now just because uh, the stores were, or I had to get it at a store because I couldn't get into the naturopath for through COVID. So I just started buying the pills in the grocery store, but they're still working clearly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really good to know actually then, because I was thinking that maybe I could drop it, but I won't, I'll just keep taking the yeah, 4,000. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drop it. So, awesome. yeah. So just, um, to, is there anything else left of the story that you want to share? We've talked, you know, gone through the mistake yes. surgery and then coming out of that, working with doctors, finding your way to a naturopath, mm-hmm. getting support with other aspects of your health as well. Um, recognizing how far you've come yes. and you're not quite there yet, but mm-hmm. you are, you know, now coaching full-time, right? Yes. Yep. Really well compared to where you were before. Is there anything more that you want to finish up on that story before we just start to wrap up? No, I don't. I, no, I don't think so. There's, I mean, it's been seven years, so it's, it's, it's a slow a process. Journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slow process. Yeah. And you, oh, sorry, I'm getting someone dropping things in here. Um, it, it is a slow process, but you have to just allow the process to go. Right. Um, I'm so big on just, I just wanted the fix, right? Like that was the initial, I wanted the fix. I wanted the fix. And I now see that it isn't going to be that way. Um, and, and just taking time and taking the time to listen to yourself. I think I'll, I'll say that towards the end, but that's the the biggest stuff. It's been that slow progress and then you'd have progress and it falls apart. And then, you know, like that's been the piece for me, like two weeks ago, forward, one step back, which is two weeks ago. A bunch of stress got lifted off my shoulder. I started doing, I'm on uh, doing drops that are supposed to help your liver cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's, but it's a slow liver cleanse. So it's not like the, it's not like what I took with the wild rose. Right. So it's, I'm drinking a liter water with drops in it all day. Like I just take yep. it through the day and I felt so good. I started taking this stuff and I, I have had this happen twice where this liver stuff that everybody hates. I'm like, I love this stuff. I feel so good when I drink it. Right. Um, And so I had this week of like big energy and just felt so good. And then, um, and then we had Easter and I ate some chocolates. And then I had last week, I was like struggling to get through the week and now I'm just coming back out of it this week. So this weekend I had to spend Saturday on the couch that just a required. So even though it frustrates me still, sometimes I'm learning to just let it go. I said in the morning to my boyfriend, I don't feel good. I'm watching TV all day. Right. He now knows just to leave me alone because there's nothing. If, if I push, it lasts longer or three weeks instead of just relax now. Right. You know, so listening give yourself to your, this 24 hours and yeah. Listening to your body is your greatest learning 
from all of us. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you found your way to the naturopath that can look at other aspects of your body and what's going on and hormonal imbalances, et cetera, because we are so interconnected, right? And the health of your thyroid is impacted by your cortisol levels, as well as your sex hormone levels, you know, and estrogen dominance, which is having low progesterone and normal estrogen, or maybe high estrogen and normal progesterone, either of those trigger estrogen dominance, which also trigger low thyroid function Mm -hmm. and low thyroid function can trigger estrogen dominance. And all of that's impacted by... Yeah, all of that's impacted by our cortisol levels, right? So this is why your naturopath is wanting to look at your hormones in order to see what's going on and where they might be out of balance and bring them back into balance. And this is such a beautiful story to tie into my whole series on hormones, because this is what I've been talking about in the past three episodes as well. Actually, and and so here, that's the other thought is that I had this all the time. This isn't something that I didn't have before. It was the removal of the thyroid that caused the the severe to it. But I have had this my whole life. I just had so much energy that nobody noticed because I got more done in a day than anybody else. Like I said, I could do P90X, go work a full day and then go volunteer all evening. When I started this business, I started it on the side. So I would literally, P90X is an hour and a half of extreme exercise in the morning, work a full eight hour day and not an easy job and then come home and coach (laughs) or curl or something. And so, and I would be fine with that, but having the thyroid remove is what had me looking at this. Cause when you're saying that about estrogen and progesterone, while I've never had those checked, I know that since my twenties, I'm, I'm in the high, uh, according to, we'll say, according to Western science, I'm, I'm in the high levels of normal testosterone. Um, when you, when a naturopath looks at it, it's slightly different, but because they wouldn't tell me it's high levels of normal, they would tell me I'm out of way out of whack. Right. Um, and I, I just had that tested. At, I unfortunately it was too long ago that I got it. The one tested in my twenties, so I couldn't see the the difference. But I have right. always been high in testosterone, which has caused other things. I grow hair like it's going out of style. Right. Like other people, your hair. I think it's supposed to grow half an inch a month. Mine grows an inch. Like I'm double time. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so I've had it my whole life. It just, I never, I can look back now. And when I say speak from the scar and not the, not the wound, I look at this and go, you know what, in those moments where I didn't hand the disc and where I didn't listen to my don't have the surgery, I never would have found this out like these stuff. And it was there. It just didn't cause as many problems as after having the thyroid removed. Right. Yeah. Right. So on that note, I'd love to ask you this question. Sure. What does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? Oh, so many things. <laughs> um, for me, it means paying attention to your health. Now we are naturally supposed to feel good. You are supposed to wake up in the morning and feel good. It's not a should of life. It's not one of those things. It's just, that's our natural state. And if you don't feel that way, there's a reason and go find out now. So when I was going through this before I had the surgery, it was, I would, like I said, I never would have noticed because I had so much energy, but it was a problem in my body and it was causing other issues. Like there's, um, there's likely infertility and things like that, that was going on because my hormones are all out of whack. I haven't, I don't have any kids and hadn't been trying, but still it was likely there. 
So that's my piece is that I, I just want to think, I was trying to think of a way to tell people that it's, you are meant to feel good. That doesn't mean that at every moment we're all hyper and, you know, whatever. It just means that in the morning, regularly, you're meant to wake up feeling good. And if you don't get some help now, <laughs> I don't, love that. don't wait till you have something like I had. I love that. And having people tune in to how they're feeling and what, how their body is talking to them. And so often we get so busy in our busy lives that we ignore our body talking to us. Mm -hmm. So that's a great reminder. Thank you. And what message would you like to leave the audience with? If you want, it's kind of that message, but maybe you want to tack onto it there to um, inspire the audience to take action in their health journey. Listen to yourself. So I shared a little bit of the story. I've actually written a, written in a couple of chapters in a couple of books. And that's what, that was my main message is you need to listen to yourself because all through this, I knew when I saw the medical intuitive, she said, Lisa, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And she was right. And not wanting to have the surgery and, and giving the, there was just so many times through this story where I already knew I just wasn't listening to my own intuition. We know we know what we need. We just need to listen to it. And don't worry about what anyone thinks when you do that. It was going to be very hard for me after telling, after two doctors telling me that I should have a surgery, it was going to be really difficult to tell my mom, the nurse and all of her friends that I wasn't going to have surgery, but it doesn't matter. I should have done it. It would have caused way less pain, but the fear around, they're all going to think I'm nuts. Two doctors told me I need this surgery they're going to think I'm nuts or, you know, going on keto. Well, they're all going to tell me I'm nuts for doing that. And, you know, things like that. No, just do it because you know what you need and it is not what other people need. I do. I have feeling part of feeling so much better is not exactly keto, but I do. I stop eating at six o'clock at night. And I don't eat till 10 o'clock in the morning. The intermittent fasting. Yeah. Huge, huge shift for me. It used to be that if like, if we didn't have dinner on the table, I'd get hangry. Um, and doing that intermittent fasting, I don't get that hangry anymore. I can, I can actually go till noon or one o'clock sometimes if I forget to eat, doesn't happen very often, but, <laughs> but it, I can do that now, whereas before I'd have been angry. So whatever is working for you, let it work for you. I do not suggest intermittent fasting for everyone. It is not for everyone, but it works for me. So and it's not people. We don't want to go over 14 hours as well because yeah. that can trigger hormone imbalances too, especially mm -hmm. in females. But I love what you're saying and agree with you in that. I like to say you are your own best doctor because you've lived in your body your whole life. Yes. Right. And so again, it comes back to listening to your body, listen to your intuition because yeah. your body will often tell you when we slow down enough to listen. Yes. So. And yeah. So that's the big stuff. So let, and, and the last piece for me is um, let go of who you think you have to be. Because one of the pieces for me that took so long to follow the proper diet is I'm the family baker. And right. that means at Christmas, I show up with brownies. I show up with um, brownies and butter tarts and pies. I make pies all summer. And there's been a big struggle for me in the last few years on how to do, like, what do I do with this? How do I show up? Like, how do I show up if I don't show up as the family baker? And I've had to learn that I can still do that or I can choose not to. It's up to me. Right. That's okay. 
it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks you can let go of those parts of you. Um, anyone you talk to will say like, I am an absolute chocolate lover. I have it very rarely now. I had some at Easter, but it's not, it's not a staple in my diet anymore because I can't. But right. if you talk to people, they'll still think I'm that person. Right? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes other people don't let go of the person they know, even as you're evolving, right? Exactly. And, and I think those were the, the hugest steps for me. And the last one was the whole take some steps towards yourself. And then all of a sudden it'll start showing up. So the moment I took the, that, that step to say, I'm depressed and this isn't going well for me now, it's awful. Then stuff started to show up, but not only did it show up, I saw it because someone had suggested this uh, medical intuitive to me months before. And I saw, I was too busy to take it on. And then it was suggested again. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm calling. I don't care what she costs at this point. I'm not getting help from anyone. Like I had been seeing naturopaths at the time and no one was getting me to feel any better. <laughs> so I was like, nobody's helping. I'm going another way. <laughs> and that was one of the like, but then once she came in, other people came in and just everything started to show up and, and things continue to show up the more you're paying attention. Right. Even this for those listening, someone may have heard something I said today. If it clicked with you, go research it. Go look into it because for some reason your brain picked that out. That's your intuition telling you that's the piece you need to pay attention to. So whether it's like eating meat or I said, I, I research vegan, maybe vegan's the thing that stuck out to you. Maybe you need to be vegan. I don't, but you, maybe right. you do. Exactly. Right? Whatever yeah. it is. I love that you said that your brain picked up on it. Go and research it because yes. that's your intuition talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for joining me here today. I've loved connecting with you and hearing your story. Um, I know you're a life coach. I know mm -hmm. you're coaching full time. And yes. I know you have much wisdom and, and coaching skill to share with people. Mm -hmm. And you were able to use that to help yourself through your journey, as you yeah. mentioned in your story. So how can people get hold of you if they're wanting support of a life coach? Um. Probably the best way is to just go check out my website. So I'm at LMW, which are just my initials, lmwcoaching.ca. I only have the .ca because it's Canadian. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> LM, so Lisa May Wilson, lmwcoaching.ca. Awesome. Well, thank you so very much. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, thank you again for joining me. And for the audience out there, this is the last of my series on hormones. And next week, I will be starting a series on food and have a, another couple of great guests to join me in the discussion on food, the state of our food industry. And I look forward to digging into that with you next week. Thank you. Thank you for investing this time with me on the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.